I like the, I love the songs that you think they're finished and then they go on for another little bit. That's how the sermon's going to be tonight. <laughs> you think I'm finished and then we'll go on a little bit. Uh, we are going to be reading a, a, a lot of scripture, so to get your Bibles out and get ready, we're going to be flipping through the Old and the New Testament. We're going to start in the New Testament and then kind of move back to the Old. So I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6 tonight. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to begin with verse number 25. And as you're looking there, <clears throat> I want to tell you a story that probably most everybody in here has heard before. It's one of those well-loved children's stories. And you've probably heard a lot about it here recently, too. But it's the story of uh, Aladdin and the magic lamp. And it depends on which version of the story you read or which version you've seen. But it it's the story of a boy, his name is Aladdin, and he is the lazy son of a poor Chinese tailor. And after his father dies, he meets a magician, and the magician convinces Aladdin to go into a cave and look for a pretty lamp. Now, I, I don't know why it was so easy to convince him. Maybe he just didn't have anything to do, but if I just met somebody and they asked me to go into a cave and look for a lamp, I'm not going to do that. But anyway, uh, this, is, this is how things go in, in storybook land. But anyway, he went into the cave, and, and he found the lamp, and he refused to give the lamp to the magician. So the magician sealed the cave and expected Aladdin just to die in that cave. But Aladdin became a little frustrated, a little concerned, got a little nervous. He started rubbing the lamp, and everybody knows what happened, right? A genie came out of the lamp. And the genie said, I will grant you wishes. And so Aladdin says, get me out of this cave. And he got him out of the cave. And then he began to ask for other things and, and other wishes of the genie. And uh, before long, he was a very wealthy young man. And he was able to marry the daughter of the sultan. And he was able to overcome any foe or any problem that he had with the power that the genie gave him from this lamp. And... It has a very happy ending, as most children's stories do. He ended up being the sultan of the land. He took the, the sultan that was sultan at the time. When he died, he took his place. So things worked out really well, as they always do in fairy, fairy tale land. Uh, he, got the, he got the gold, he got the girl, and he was king. So what else could you ask for, right? What more could you ask for? Now, this, this uh, story... It's, it's an entertaining story, and of course, several years ago, Disney picked it up, made a cartoon out of it, and it did very, very well. And here recently, they made a live-action version of this story, and I read today that it has pulled in $910 million. I can't even fathom that. Can you? $910 million. So somebody at Disney must have been rubbing a lamp there. I don't know. But they're doing very, very well with this story. Uh, but the Bible is still the best-selling book of all time. Amen. So anyway, no, no fairy tales there either. Everything is true and everything is just as it, as it says in the Word of God. But a couple of weeks ago, as I was reading through Matthew 6, as I was studying, I began to ask the question and began to think about asking you this question. If God gave you three wishes, what would you ask for? What would you wish for? Now, here's a stipulation. You can't ask for three more wishes on your third wish. 
So, because let's just say if you ask for that, that your third wish, then everything is null and void and you lose everything you've already asked for. So, three wishes. What are you going to ask for? What, what would your wish list look like? And if you could have anything that you wanted. Now, that's, that is fun to think about, isn't it? You know, th- how many times have you thought, if I won the lottery, I would... Or if I had a rich relative I didn't know about and they died and left me a, uh, a boatload of money, I would. You know, what would you do? And honestly, I think that we would probably all have a pretty similar list of things that we would want. We would, that's like a dream come true, isn't it? But here's the question. Would our list of wants and our list of wishes look anything like what God wants for us and is it important that that happens you think it's a big deal that that happens so i think that if everybody in this world were offered three wishes i think for the most part everybody let's just say non-believers people who don't believe in god that would be kind of weird wouldn't it god offers them three wishes (laughs) they don't believe in god but they'll take the three wishes and that the world we live in but anyway i think that what people would ask for more money, a happy marriage, uh, uh, children that behave and do well in school and do their chores without complaining, good health, uh, their troubles to be gone, no pain, long life, uh, eternal happiness. I think that that's what most people in the world would ask for. Here's what I think most people who are Christians or who are believers would ask for. The same thing. What do you think about that? Because in my mind, I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking pay off the bills, you know, uh, ha- have some room to move around and breathe a little bit. Uh, all sorts of things pop into our heads, don't they? So when we read the scripture that we're getting ready to read here tonight, we're going to be reminded that we need to keep first things first. And we need to seek, as Scripture tells us, to determine what God wants for our lives. Now, it's obvious we would say what God wants for our lives. God's will for our lives is that we are saved and that we know Him. But what, what, do you, what does He want for you past that? Does He want eternal happiness? Does He want all your pain to be gone? Does He want uh, you to, to get the girl of your dreams or the guy of your dreams and become the soul of uh, some Arabic country? Does he want that, that for you? And is it important for us to think about what God wants for us? What do you think? Is it important to, to, to seek God about these things? I think it is. I think it's, it's time for us to, to seek God's heart, uh, what God's heart wants. What does God want? Because I think that what he desires should really shape prayers sound like. I think what God wants should shape what our prayers look like. Um, we really shouldn't be praying for everything that we want. God, I want this, and God, I want that. And it would be easier in life if I could get this, and if we had that. You know, God doesn't mind hearing what you want or what you feel like you need. He loves for us to come and talk with Him. But do we ever get to a point in our prayers where we say, but God, what do you want? You know, what do you want from me? What do you want for my life? the verses that we're going to read tonight 
we're going to see uh, that the things of this world and the things that this world has to offer should not capture uh, our hearts, should not capture our desire. But what should capture our hearts, what should fascinate us, and what the focus of our prayers should be are things of the kingdom, are things of God. And this is not just a preacher saying things that you expect a preacher to say. These are things that the Word of God says. So let's take a look at that tonight. Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse number 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your, your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, and ye not, are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they toil not. Do they spin? And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So these are verses that we've read many times, and many sermons have been preached, many lessons have been taught. Many a time uh, has a parent brought this out for a child, and many a time has, have the children in the church had to memorize these verses. And it's just one of those, you know, easy to recall, easy to remember type verses. But as anything that we become too familiar with, sometimes we allow it to lose its power and its influence in our lives and, and to make the impact on us that it should. Now, Jesus' Jesus's teaching in Matthew's gospel, it kind of strikes at the heart of these wish lists that we would have made earlier in the sermon. Uh, it kind of strikes at the heart of us asking for all our bills to be paid and uh, for us to not hurt anymore and not to be sick anymore and have enough money to do this and, and enough money to do that because he really goes down through a lot of different things in this scripture and says, don't worry about this, don't worry about this, don't think about that, don't, don't waste your time on that. Here's what you need to be doing. Here's what we need to be doing. And what we, what we see if we did go out into the street and we did ask people, what would you wish for if you had three wishes? We would see that the majority of people, I think, would have a list that did not resemble a list that Jesus would have for us. And also, I think we can tell this by looking at our scripture that the human heart really hasn't changed a whole lot, has it? We've, we've discussed this a lot in talking about Psalms, how, how the psalmist was so much like us and and as we've discussed different people from the Bible and the issues that they have, we begin to realize, well, I have some of the same issues and they're just like me. 
And we see that things really haven't changed all that much because the things that captured their hearts capture our hearts as well, don't they? And that's why, that's why this was being said to them back then because they were worried about things that they shouldn't have worried about. They were concerned about things that they shouldn't have been so concerned about and they were neglecting what was the most important thing, which, which is what we do a lot of the time. And so we, it seems like we're misguided. It seems like we're misinformed. And we look back at them and we see they were kind of the same way. Because the reality is ever since sin came into the picture, our, our, everything's kind of been out of focus from the way it was intended and the way that it was supposed to be. And we've been seeking after health and we've been seeking after wealth and we've been dismissing the voice of God. We've been rationalizing things. And we say things like, well, surely God doesn't expect me not to want this or not to have this. And the thing is, our focus is in the wrong place. And we begin to focus on worldly things. And that's all we see. I begin to look at worldly things. And that's all I want. And I begin to neglect what's really important. Because some of us, all of us, a lot of us, maybe all of us, we're looking for for cheap imitations of designer clothes. Maybe if we had the money, we would buy the fanciest clothes. But if, since we don't have the money, we'll go out and we'll, we'll spend what good money we do have on things that look like the expen- expensive stuff. And all the while, he is offering us robes of righteousness. And we're looking for the cheap imitation stuff. And that's, that's not his intention. That's not what he wants. And we're seeking after good health, which is not a bad thing in and of itself. But we're, we're seeking good health in desperation. And we're neglecting holiness. Holiness, which is very important in the life of a Christian. And we're trying to make our houses of brick and mortar into palaces that are bigger and better than anybody else's. And we're neglecting the houses of grace and godliness. We're passing them by because the world man the world always seems to look more attractive doesn't it seems to have something new and something shiny to offer us and it's hard not to want and it's hard not to wish for these things so i've come to the i've come to a conclusion as i was thinking about this and studying this that the way there's got to be a way out of this predicament Because it has not just been our predicament, it has been the predicament since way back in Bible times. You know, focusing on the things of this world and the things that I can have instead of seeking Him first. And what we need to do is we need to allow Jesus to have His place on the throne of our heart. And once we do that, we need to earnestly and we need to continuously And we need to passionately seek His will for our lives every day. Does that exhaust you thinking about that? Does it make you tired thinking about praying to God every day for His will to be done in your life? But how many times have you found in your life that what He wanted was best for you? He wants salvation for you. Is that the best thing for you? He wants you to be saved. He wants you to understand you're forgiven. He wants you to know that He loves you. These are things He wants you to know. Has that worked out good for you? Worked out in your favor? Yeah, maybe sometimes we prayed for that boat or that new car or that bigger house and things didn't go through. Maybe God had another plan. 
And when we think about that, we realize, well, God's plans have worked out pretty good so far. But if we're not on a regular basis, on a daily, really a daily basis, earnestly seeking, continuously seeking, and passionately seeking what God wants for our lives, then we may be having some problems and some issues. And it's only God. Only God can change your heart. He's the only one that can. He's the one that when you got saved, He took that heart of stone and He got rid of it. And He gave you a heart of flesh that seeks after the things of God. See, that heart of stone saw after the he took he got rid of that and gave you a new heart with new desires that desire things of heaven and things of God. And if you're saved, you've got that new heart. How are you developing that? How are you using that? How are you understanding that? There's a, a Bible common a, a writer of Bible commentary. His name is J. Vernon McGee. And he asked this once. He said, What is your ambition in life today? Is it to get rich? Is it to make a name for yourself? Is it even to do something wonderful for God? Listen to me, beloved. The highest desire that can possess any human heart is a longing to see God, is a longing to know God. And we talked about that this morning. So how about the younger generation? How do we see that? Or do we see that coming true for our, for our teenagers? Do we see that coming true for our college students? Is it important for them to seek God? Are we training them? Are we teaching them? Are we showing them how important that is? Because it's real easy to get things confused because there is a liar about telling us things that are important that aren't important and speaking contrary to the things that the Word of God says. You know who that liar is? It's the devil. It's the devil and his, his peons. And he's got other plans for your kids. He doesn't want your kids to seek God in their, in their futures and in their careers and in what they want to do with their lives. See, we've made it so important for our, our students to choose careers based on how much it pays. And I looked, when I was, in, was I was in high school trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I looked at it. And they taught me, and I looked at how much a certain career paid. And I began to think to myself, can I survive on that? Can I do that? Is that something I want to do the rest of my life? What's the growth potential here? Uh, what's the possibility for advancement here? I, I want to be able to make money and, and be able to pay the bills and, and do things that I want to do. And that becomes, that becomes our focus. That becomes our, our priority. So they're looking for, for careers that will pay them the money that they want to have so that they can have the things that they want to have. And they seek that instead of seeking God's will and God's purpose for their lives. Wouldn't it be great to have a, uh, in every college curriculum a class uh, titled God's Will 101? That wouldn't, be, wouldn't that be great? Uh, we're never going to see that. So I guess it's the responsibility of the church and the responsibility of us parents to teach that to our kids. But are we teaching our kids Seek God's will for your life. See what God wants you to do. And when they come at you and they say, yeah, but this, this right here will pay. I mean, if I can get to college and I can make good grades and I can do this and I, and I can make this money, I believe I will be happy. What do you think God wants for your life? 
is that a conversation worth having? It, ab- it absolutely is. And, you know, as adults, sometimes we're consumed by being happy too, aren't we? We want to be happy. And so a lot of times at the expense of what's holy, we go after what will make us happy, what will give us happiness and, and, and make, put a smile on our face. And so many people today and even Christians are wondering why they can't seem to find happiness and why there's so much pain. Why do we have so much pain in our lives? And, and all the while we're neglecting what we should have and that's a pursuit, pursuing God, a passionate pursuit of God and the things of God. So for us to keep first things first is what Jesus wants us to do. And he said in, in the last verse that we read, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. All these things will be given to you as well. And therein lies our problem because what we're doing, we're not seeking God, we're seeking things. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added. And we've kind of switched that around. Seek first the things and then we'll see about the kingdom of God later. And we as Christians have to accept our responsibility. We look at the world as, and we think, well, we're and we should have the best we should we shouldn't have to suffer and so we'll go after what the world has so we can kind of fit in and feel like they do and we i put we because i'm in there too we will neglect what is important and what we should be going after we seek things not god we seek comfort not god things will never be able to give us the direction in life that we need Things will never be able to comfort us in our time of need. Have you ever felt like if I could just get my hands on that, I would be so happy. If I could just get to this point, I would be so happy. If I could just uh, somehow obtain this, I would be so happy. And get those things and we're happy for what? Five minutes, maybe. And then it's, if I could just have that too, because... I need that to go with this, and then I'll be happy. And it goes on and on and on, and all the while he's saying, give no thought for what you put on yourself. Give no thought for food. Look at, look at my other creations. See how I take care of them. Are you, not much, are you not so much more important than those things? And I will take care of you, he says. He will take care of us. Things that we long for in this world will never give us the knowledge and the wisdom that we desire and that we need. But God can. God can give us all these things. So often we get so focused on what we want that we convince ourselves that if we could just get this, it would take care of every problem I've ever had. You know, sometimes I find myself, uh, do you ever have a, a, something coming up in the week and uh, you say to yourself, God, just, just get me past that. Because I know if you could get me past that, uh, it'll just be smooth sailing after that. And then you get past that because God's faithful and he gets you, gets you through, right? And then there's something else coming up two days later. There's always going to be something in there that you're not looking forward to. There's always going to be something that will get your eyes off where your need, eyes need to be. And we keep falling into this same trap. If I could just have this, if I can just get past that. I can, if I can do that, then I'll be happy and things will be great. And nothing could be further from the truth. 
So there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way for you and me to be free of this problem because it is a problem. And it's been a problem since biblical times. You know, looking at the world too much, looking at things of this world too much, not seeking God first. So here's what I believe the answer to that is, and it comes in in the book of Luke chapter 22 when Jesus is thinking about the cup of suffering that he is getting ready to partake of. And this is what he says. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. I think there, there is our answer. Because the way that, that Jesus found his way beyond, beyond what he wanted at that moment. Because at that moment he was thinking. But the way that he was able to get past what he wanted in that moment is he sought, he sought God. Did he not? I think I'm going in and out, so I'm going to take this. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to say it right here. <clears throat> I think it'll do better there. So he got past what he wanted in that moment. He got past what he wanted in that moment because he sought God. Now, what did Matthew tell us? Seek first God. So what did Jesus do? He sought God. Doesn't it seem, is the light going off? Doesn't it seem that's what we should be doing as well? Absolutely. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. So if you and I truly want to find our way beyond getting caught up in things of this world and having the things and the wishes and the little trinkets that we think we have to have, then what we've got to do is we've got to seek God first. And not only do we need to seek Him first, we need to seek Him last. And not only do we need to seek Him first and seek Him last, we need to seek Him continuously. Now are you exhausted? Because you think, well, the time, you know, I just don't have that much time to seek God. Is it really all that hard to seek the things of God? Because He's always with you, right? As a Christian, He is with you always. You can always talk to Him. You can always ask Him, okay, God, where we want to go, what we want to do. It's pretty easy, actually. He's always there with us. Again, He saw the need. He provided for your need he took care of everything as as he as he does so i know that what we're saying here is not a popular teaching and i know it's not popular in a lot of churches because a lot of churches are teaching things like well just think about this for a minute what churches are trying to do is they're trying to meet people's needs now is there anything wrong with meeting people's needs that's not a bad thing, is it? It's not really a bad thing. So what we end up doing is we're trying to help people to feel more fulfilled. We're trying to help men be better dads and better husbands. And we're trying to help women be better wives and better mothers. And we're trying to help people to, to feel better about themselves. And we're trying to help people achieve happiness and to fulfill the longing that they have in their lives. And all that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But is there a lot of basis for making these things the most important thing? Is there a lot of basis for this in the, in the Word of God? Now listen, God is interested in all of these things. And He wants you to be successful in all of these areas of your life. But what He wants you to do is not focus so much 
on being better. Because we all want to be better. But what we focus on more than being better is we focus on, to get this, this is going to be a, it's going to be a revelation. Instead of focusing on being better, we need to focus on God. Boom, there it is. Focus on God. We're taking back to the prayer that Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. Take it from me, but if, if it's not your will, don't let it happen. And then boom, what it says in Matthew, the, tr- the scripture that we just read, seek first his kingdom, seek first God. What we need to be doing is we need to be doing is seeking God. A man by the name of John Fisher wrote this about our, our uh, current church situations. He says, like my dog who can't seem to get anywhere because he keeps having to stop and scratch his fleas, I wonder if we're so busy scratching where everybody itches that we aren't taking anybody anywhere significant. God, there's a lot in the Bible that will help you and me, men, be better fathers and better husbands. There's a lot in the Bible that, ladies, that will help you become better mothers and better, and better wives. There's a lot in the Bible that will show us what we, how we can treat other people better and, and how we can find joy and have joy and happiness and fulfillment in our lives. But they all come after seeking who? Seeking what? Seeking God. That's where it comes from. That's, that's how it comes. So our greatest need according to the scripture that we just read, is to seek God and to seek God's will for our lives every day, earnestly and passionately. We need to, we need to ask what His will is for our lives. We need, to ask, we need to take a look at what He's doing in the midst of the circumstances that we are currently in. We need to look at where He is leading us. As individuals, where is He leading you? As a church, where is He leading us? We need to spend time in prayer and we need to allow God to teach us about some things, about what, William? About His character, about His justice, about His holiness, about His mercy, about His love, about His sovereignty, and about His grace. Because we do not know everything we need to know about these things. So we long to know Him, as we said this morning, and to know the power of His resurrection. So we need to seek the And when we do that, when we seek the Lord, what's going to happen is He will begin to change us. He will begin to change us. He will change our desires. He will change the way that we think. He will change the way that we feel. And we will find ourselves becoming more like Him, which is the desire, should be the desire of every Christian in this place. And the plans that we have pursued and we've we've tried for for so long and with so much passion will lose their grip on us and we can pursue the plans that God has for us have you ever found yourself pursuing something that you knew God wasn't pleased about have you ever not initially realized that it was something he didn't want but later on down the road you did and when you found out I don't think God is in this I don't think God wants me to do this did you abandon that? You know, that, that's the kind of closeness and intimacy that we should have with God. To know, oh, wait a minute, he wants me to go in this direction. He wants me to go in another direction. So let me give you an example here. I'm going to run out of time, I know. 
me see what time it is here. Okay. Don't have a whole lot of time. But let me try to talk, give you an example of what I'm talking about. One of the most widely experienced feelings and emotions that's common to us when we have trouble and when we have uh, bad things happen in our lives, we m- sometimes feel lonely. We feel like we're alone in this. Nobody else understands. Nobody knows what I'm going through. So-and-so went through something similar, but not to the degree I'm going through it. It's more difficult for me, I think. And so we begin to feel lonely. We begin to feel isolated. We begin to have less energy, and we begin to wonder if God is really there, and has He forsaken us. We've explored a lot of these things in the Psalms, and I'm going to give you a psalm uh, that will help us understand how seeking God can make a difference. Uh, I want us to look at Psalm chapter 77. And we're going to see the outcome that takes place when the psalmist sought God. The thing that we're being taught taught here tonight. Psalm 77. And it begins with, with beginning with verse number 1. <clears throat> and you'll see where a change takes place. I want you to think about what we're reading. And I want you to see where the change takes place. Psalm 77 verse 1. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice. And he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? And doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. And so we don't see him praying a 911 prayer and asking God, take care of this now, please, and then just forgetting about it. We don't see that. But what we do see is that he sought the Lord, and the Lord began to remind him of, the might, of his mighty ways and his faithfulness in the past. And you could tell from the beginning of this psalm that his soul was troubled, and people, our souls are troubled sometimes. We experienced that as well. He wondered if God had forgotten to be merciful. We see that here, and sometimes we wonder that as well. And he wondered if God's promise had failed, and he wondered if it had failed for all time, and it would not, it, it would not be fulfilled. He wondered that. And sometimes, if we're honest, we'll, we'll say that we have felt that way as well. But then something marvelous happened. When he saw God, as he was seeking God, he was reminded... He remembered 
the deeds of God, the deeds of the Lord, what God had done. He meditated on all of God's works. And then he said, oh, your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great is our God. So it's a big jump from, have you forgotten me? Have you, have you failed to keep your promise? Are you not going to be there for me anymore? A big you know, jump from that to this. Oh God, you are holy. What God is so great is our God. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people. And don't you long for the world to be transformed and to understand and know what God has done for them and what God is capable of? Do you wish in your own life that you felt more and understood more how great God is and what God has done for you? And what he has taken care of when he died on the cross and rose again. Do you long for, for an understanding of that to be able to share with other people? And I long for people to know these truths and to know these things. And I long for myself to remember because sometimes I forget that prayer changes things. When we seek God, things change. Things happen. Why do, you think he, why do you think He prayed? Why did Jesus pray? Prayer changes things. Prayer makes a difference. And I'm going to tell you, there are times in my life when I've neglected prayer. And things happen when we neglect prayer as well. And what are some of the things that can happen? I made a list of things. I'm not as sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God when I'm not praying like I need to be praying. I, I find that it's easier to hurt people that I didn't intend to hurt when I'm not praying and seeking God like I should. This can happen. I neglect the things that God wants me to, to be involved in. I miss opportunities to minister to people, people that really may need my help. And I feel worn out and I feel depleted and I feel drained. When I neglect prayer, when I neglect seeking God. What prayer does, though, is it draws us into the will of God. It draws me into the will of God. And it shows me where I have gone wrong. It shows me what I need to do next. It makes it very clear and it reminds me that He is with me and He's going to help me through it every step of the way. And then He begins to reveal His plans for me. And how he desires for me to walk in his will. And through, his, through prayer and through his word, he reminds me what his will is for my life. So prayer changes things. And it's not, this is not a new phenomenon either. This we see all throughout scripture. And it worked then. Do you believe, church, that it works now? Do you believe that prayer works now? So you're shaking your head yes, I'm shaking my head yes. Is it obvious in my life and in my prayer life that I believe that prayer makes a difference? Am I praying? Because what he longs for, for, for the unbeliever, is for them to lift their eyes to him and call out for salvation. That's what he longs for in the life of the unbeliever because he wants the unbeliever to know him. Because he knows that what he has is good for the unbeliever. And here's what he wants for you and for me as believers. He wants us to lift our eyes to him and call on his name 
and seek his face and receive the help that he has to give us. That's what he wants from you and me. And so he tells us quite simply, don't worry so much about what you're going to wear. Now that doesn't mean go to work tomorrow or school tomorrow wearing, wearing a potato sack. That's not what we're talking about. But think about this, men and women. How much time do you spend thinking about what you're going to wear? Okay, <clears throat> how, how often, uh, let's go, we're going on vacation together, okay? Let's go on vacation together. Where y'all want to go? Mountains. Let's go to the mountains. Okay. So you're going to be there for five. We're going to be there for five days. How long is it going to take us to lay out our outfits for all five days? Make sure that the shoes match. <laughs> that we have enough clean socks and underwear. And, and everything else that we're going to need. And then... Remember, it's probably going to be a little, I don't know, we'll just say where we're going, it's going to be a little cooler. So you've got to add some, some coats and long sleeve shirts and stuff in there. And then you realize, oh, all these colors are wrong, and you throw it all away and start all over again. And then you stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning trying to get packed because you're leaving the next day. <laughs> now, some of you got, no, that's not me. I just throw in what I got, and off we go. But, in, you know, this is such a simple illustration but where in that did we take time to seek God and it, it really is that simple we we put everything else in front of it everything else in front of seeking God taking care of the yard taking care of the house taking care of myself taking care of the dog uh, taking care of everything's got to be taken care of and then when we're done with all that, well, we've got to rest a little bit, so let's pull out the phone or the tablet or the computer or the TV and let's do a little shopping. You know, I've, I've earned the right to be able to buy myself a little something. And so we'll do that. And nowhere in that usually have we sought God for any of that. And you think, William, do we really need to talk to God about everything? Yes, we do, don't we? I used to tell the youth because they're... <clears throat> you know, one of the things that you try to teach the young people is how to present yourself as a Christian to the world. And there's such a, such a temptation to dress provocatively if you are a man or a woman, a young man or a young woman. You know, and the world says, you know, you've got to look good, you've got to look hip, you've got you to look attractive, you've got to look uh, uh, desirable. You know, how does God want you to look? Have you ever thought about getting up out of, out of bed in the morning? Okay, God, what are we going to wear today? Because he's there. He's, he's there in you. What are we going to wear today? You're taking it a bit too far. Well, you may think that, and maybe sometimes I do as well, but from what we read tonight, you know, take no thought for what you eat. Take no thought for what you wear. The birds, they don't, and they're fine. And look at the, the wheat in the field and how beautifully it's arrayed. Even more beautifully than Solomon was. And you're more important to me than, than the wheat and the sparrows. So I will take care of you. What about that wants to keep us from seeking after him? Because he has got the very best in store for us. And he wants the very, his very best for us.
So quite simply, uh, seek first God. Seek first God in all things, no matter how small, no matter how large. God loves it when you talk to Him about these things. Lift your eyes to the heavens. Lift your eyes to God. Ask for His help in everything. Um, I wanted to finish with some Scripture. I'm not going to take the time to read it. But I think maybe some of you remember the story of Manasseh, uh, who was the son of Hezekiah. And we read this um, in Second Chronicles. And he, he was a young king, and he forsook the Lord. Uh, he put idols in places where idols should not have been. Um, he did things. He, he put things in the houses and the places of worship that shouldn't have been there. He tried to pull the people away from God. Because he, he wanted to live the way he wanted to live. And he wanted to do things the way he wanted to do things. And then one day, uh, I think the king of Babylon, and I can't remember his name, overtook Manasseh and stuck a ring in his nose and pulled him through the street with a chain. And he lost everything that he had. And he was nothing anymore. But you know what he did? As, as all that was taking place, he remembered the Lord. He sought the Lord. He asked for the Lord's help. And the Lord helped him. In a nutshell, that's, that's the story. So you and I, we seek the Lord. We ask for the Lord's help. And the Lord will help us. Let's all stand. Yes, you may.